Welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode number 170. I am your host, Nicholas Minix. Joining me as usual during the week is Eno Saris. Eno, how are you today? I'm good, but I just uh, thought of an interesting mind bender. Uh oh. Well, I don't think is I this can like be... Mensa? Well, I don't think I can be the sleeper. Um... <laughs> Just, I certainly am not the sleeper. If you, if yeah, you, I mean, between if, the two of us, I doubt I'm the sleeper. So, you know, I just kind of always assumed or hoped that that the title uh, of this show had something to do with entire entirely with the content and not anything to do with the people who were in it, because, <laughs> frankly, uh, I would really prefer not to be labeled one or the other based, especially based on my recent picks of streaming pictures in the past few days. <laughs> you know, I have, I have two words to say and that, and that is Williams comma Jerome. Actually that's three words, I guess, cause I had to throw in the comma <laughs> and his start last Saturday against the A's with seven shutout innings. So yeah. for, for, for every pitcher I picked after that, it, things have not gone well, and including like <laughs> including like the pans and things like that. So that maybe is kind of the curse of for picking Jerome Williams last week. Well, I've just uh, continued looking forward. I'll say, I've <laughs> decided not to look backwards. That sounds like a good way to go. The streaming is working okay in the leagues in which I'm using my own recommendations to stream. I felt pretty good about Erlen the other day. Mm-hmm. And uh, done okay, but uh, it's that it's that end game. I'm I'm I've got all all hands on deck. We'll talk about it. I think we're going to do some other stuff first, and then we'll get over to the streamers. Yes, and before we do, I uh, just wanted to mention this is this was an incredible uh, kind of. I don't really think of it as statistics so much, but I, I guess uh, Mark Burley yesterday with his eight shutout innings against the Mariners. Uh, in which he picked up a victory, one to nothing. Uh, marked, marked, he went over the 200 inning pitched mark, and this is the 14th straight season in which he has he has gone at least 200 innings. And basically, I just the first thing that occurred to me because of all the pitching that we talked about, that we have talked about on this show, and that just all the trends we have seen with pitching, uh, all the pitchers. I mean, I don't know offhand who might be next up, who is active to be possibly approaching that, but I would guess it would be maybe Felix Hernandez. Um, but every every pitcher we think of that's getting close to that seems to get burnt out one way or another, and there certainly seems to be that, he, you know, perhaps King Felix is headed that way uh, as well. But uh, is it just the sheer number of guys who do it seems to <clears throat> really go down, you know. So that, that just means it's going to be less likely. This year we have uh, 24 guys that will uh, that have 200 innings already. Uh, maybe one or two guys more uh, join. I mean, I don't want to go too far back, but uh, let's go to the middle of the steroid era, 1994, 20 years ago. Let's see what happens. 
how many guys did it that year. I mean, it's kind of this thing that people talk about, right? That we have to think about, you know, relaxing the um, the the Hall of Fame uh, rules about. I mean, they're not rules, but uh, the idea that um, we don't need to necessarily uh, think so much about 300 wins, right? Because of the way that the bullpens are used and so much and so forth. Um, did I do something wrong here? <laughs> I have. You did. Jerome Williams came to the top of your list. No, I did one pitcher in, in 1994 had 200 innings. What the heck? I'll do this a little differently and see what happens. Here. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think what? it's just to me. It's it's just the the magnitude of, of doing it for 14 consecutive seasons. I mean, that seems because of the specialization. Uh, and the way pitchers throw, whatever it is that leads to injury so often. I mean, Burley yeah, seems but, like... I mean, what we're seeing here is that because the offense is so much, is so far down from 1994, that allows them to get more outs and more innings. That is true. So if, offense, if offense stays down, it's more possible. I mean, 1994, one pitcher had 200 innings. This year, we're going to have 25. So, you know... I think Let's just, say you have I, say you have two or three years of 230 innings, you know that that gives you 60, 90 innings you can miss in the fourth inning, in the fourth year, you know. So, no, no, but like, no, you can't miss them. You have to like, you still have to hit 200. Like he did it. He, uh, hit, he pitched right. in at least 200 in 14. He didn't average 200. He actually hit 200 each year. Yeah, yeah. that seems to me to be just the way. I mean, some you know somebody's going to miss a month. And that pretty much eliminates them from the possibility. Yeah, it's, I think it's more uh, less about uh, the way the roles of pitchers and more about how uh, we treat injury. And not just the fact of injury, because there's like 20% of the big leagues have had Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. But the way that we treat an injured pitcher now, I don't know if it was so much so 20 years ago. But I think probably even more than 20 years ago, if they've got any little barking, shut them down. Because... You know, we just don't want all these Tommy Johns. So we just, you know, any little thing here or there, shut them down. They're worth this much money, you know, you know, stop them from pitching. And, that, and that's how you don't get 200 innings. I mean, just look at Kershaw this year. He's been so dominant. He looks healthy. Everything seems fine. You know, he probably could have come back a start or two earlier than he did. But, uh, you know, they said, you're our most important guy. You know, you're worth a lot to us. You're, if your back is hurting in any way, then let's not do it. Yeah, this is true. I mean, I think I think partially it's the way we treat injury. But do you think inju- I, I can't help but think somehow that injuries develop a little a little more differently. Like not to say that I mean Tommy John surgery wasn't an option fifty years ago uh, or thirty uh, years ago or anything like that. But well, I guess thirty years ago it was. But uh, I guess I, I still can't help but think that part of it is just the way pitchers throw. I mean, whether it's it's effort or exertion or just, I mean, just the effort to get velocity or whatever. I mean, I know that that's, I guess that's not entirely research supported, but um, pitchers to me, it was like, it was still more about being crafty than throwing hard back in the day. So, and, and, you know, they lasted longer and it it wasn't, I mean, not to say that. Are you making a motion of the ocean argument here? Yeah. Yes, I guess so. Uh, I mean, it's there's there's nothing really to base that on. I just I, and it's I, 
but I guess that's that is that is purely my impression. I think based on I mean the the number of the sheer numbers of innings that that pitchers used to put up. Um, yeah, that's true. I don't know. And but, before the nineteen ninety four, obviously. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I think certainly the way we treat injury now, there's probably a lot of injuries that pitchers could pitch through, but because it's hard to distinguish one from another sometimes when there's just a little bit of thing going on, that's certainly that's definitely going to factor in as well. Like you said, I mean, Kershaw is going to end up just a couple of innings short <laughs> of 200 this year. And it's, it's pretty clear that, uh, I mean, he's, he's kind of seemingly well on his way. Yeah. 177 ERA. And it's a pretty well supported. That's uh that's pretty hard to do in any era. <laughs> I also heard a really strange stat on MLB Network that is uh, I've found hard to believe, which is that today in Jeter's final home game, he would be playing just the second inconsequential game of his career uh, as far as like there's there's no longer a playoff spot on the line or anything like that. As, mm. as far as mathematically of being eliminated, the Yankees, I guess, or you know at least at the time that he's been active, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> but... Oh my god, dude! Oh my god! You're amazed. 1994, man. I use 1994. Yeah. Oh, you the strike Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a t- so. Actually, I'm kind of impressed that you came up with a 200 inning pitcher that year. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah, all right. The Expos are also pissed at you. And uh, I think without further ado, we'll just move on to the (laughs) (laughs) Justin Verlander's awesome start on Wednesday, Uh, because this is a picture we talked about just a couple of weeks ago is one that uh, I mean, I was I was afraid to use. You were saying don't give up on him. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm convinced I won't I won't give up on him, but I want to see something good before I'm willing to throw him in my rotation. Uh, Well, so far, so good, at least for the last few starts, and particularly on Wednesday with uh, eight shutout innings. Um, it, granted, the opponent was the White Sox, which is, you know, they're not the most threatening team these days, but uh, eight shutout innings. No walks, uh, which is highly encouraging. Uh, and I think he's walked, um, he hasn't walked any, he didn't walk any in his previous start, seven and a third innings against the Royals, in which he also gave up one run, but he struck out six. Uh, also against the White Sox, and in general, this is a this is a pretty dominant outing. Um, and two starts before that, uh, Cleveland. I mean, they've kind of had his number, and also generally have hit right-handed pitching extremely well all season. Uh, he gives up only three. He gives up three runs in five and two-thirds innings. Not the greatest, but he strikes out six and walks three. And just in general, last his last, I would say three starts are pretty solid, but particularly this last one. Anyway. Uh, not there wasn't anything that kind of jumped out, jumped off the page of you initially as far as the pitch effects data. Uh, velocity is, I mean, it looks good, but maybe a half a half a tick up in average on the fastball. Maybe that partially is due to the fact that he was kind of laboring a little less. Um, anything else that kind of stood out to you as far as this outing goes? No, man. I, I mean, I, you know, his his first pitch strikes. You know, we're up a little bit, but he's done that before this year. 
Uh, Verlander, uh, you know, the, the offenses he went up against, I think it's probably the most um, revealing is that he was, it was the White Sox, the Royals, and the Indians. And I know he's, you know, he's had bad starts against those guys earlier in the season, but those are offenses that Verlander should do well against. Mm-hmm. So I don't, uh, yeah. uh, I, I couldn't find, I, the only thing I could find in terms of pitch mix was just, um, uh, the only thing I could find in terms of pitch mix was that uh, he's using the four-seamer more. You know, some of his uh, biggest uh, four-seam outings have actually come in the last three. Uh, and in the last five, uh, the average has been well above his seasonal average. So, um but there's no real corresponding rise in 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 zone rate, so it's not that he's using the four seamer stay in the zone. Um, and honestly, I would have thought that you know you'd recommend to him to throw his junk more, um, uh, being you know having trouble uh, with a lower velocity fastball. But um, I, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the velocity maybe the velocity will come back if he. Uh, if he throws, um, <clears throat> maybe the velocity will throw will come back if he throws more four seamers. Perhaps I mean it's it's it's, it's an interesting, interesting development. When we saw to see, I mean, we saw him <clears throat> kind of go on this kind of run at the end of last regular season, and then heading into last postseason, and it kind of gave fantasy owners some hope. Perhaps coming into this one, I was one of them. Uh, makes me wonder, you know how. How, it makes me wonder how next season is going to look if this is once again kind of one of these false hope markers or if it's uh, the case of uh, something else positive to look for that isn't actually there. Um, 56% in the zone, I thought, I mean, that's probably his high mark of the season, I'm guessing. Yeah, it does look like, eh, but I mean, that's not, yeah, I mean, it's not like drastically off what he's done for the season, I guess. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know what's statistically significant for zone rate. Um, that does seem it's a good six and a half percent higher than his season rate, uh, and he's been in the fifties for his last five starts. Um, but overall, it doesn't seem like yeah. There's there's a whole lot else different, uh, other than perhaps he just has a little bit better command and or control. Uh, you know, maybe, thing, uh, maybe the like, whole controversy thing uh, with Kate Upton and all that. Uh, his his junk being exposed all over the internet has kind of well, made, made actually, him feel a little less less self conscious. He actually, he I mean he's done this a lot where uh, I mean th- there is no real corresponding rise in velocity, but he's done in the past he's had uh, good velocity at the end of the season. Um, so uh, you know there could be something to the fact that maybe he's like not gonna. Be on the post in the postseason rotation, um, or that the games are very important, um, or uh, you know that. I mean, I hate now. I'm going into that, but I, what I am actually doing is stalling because I want to look at his his release points a little bit. Um, well, I can't help but think. I mean, he's. I think he's got to be in the postseason rotation for them, given that like Anibal Sanchez came back, but they're only using him out of the bullpen for the rest of the regular season. So I think they'd be highly cautious with putting him back in the rotation, for instance. So you're talking, well, Porcello, or Porcello Scherzer, 
Um, and now who am I missing? Uh, I'll Price. Call him Price. Rick. I'll call him Rick. I can't. I don't know how to say his last name. All right. Uh, no. um, yeah. Well, Porcello, Price, and Scherzer. I mean, I think that those three. I mean, you need a fourth. I guess you don't need a fourth, but uh, probably do. So I think it just seems highly unlike. Unless Kyle Lobstein is your guy. I'm guessing not. No, he is not. <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of. Uh, let's see, six and a half. His his uh, release point has been more. It's sort of minus two six and a half before, and if I go back to uh, the end of August, no. I mean, his release point is sort of um, is moving around. Yeah, I remember uh, that. That was just something that we talked about, and a commenter pointed that out to us. Uh, I guess you know if there's a trend in the last four four uh, in the last four games, Verlander's uh, release point is actually trending back up in terms of vertical. Um, so maybe he's feeling better and able to get on top of the pitch better. Um, which I think for him is good. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be encouraging, I think, with the release point, um, get, kind of getting back to what he was doing, as opposed yeah. to... Yeah. And for some reason, in the middle of August, he was really getting around side of his... Uh, of his uh, oh, this is horizontal pitch location. I hate you. Horizontal release point. Yeah, his horizontal release point has been a little bit steadier over the season. There was a dip in um, the middle of July and June. Uh, but if you look recently, his vertical release point has uh, has gone up a little bit. So maybe he's, felt, he's feeling better. He's uh, maybe getting on top of the ball more. Cool. Overall encouraging. He's going to be, he's going to be a difficult pitcher to project for fantasy statistics next season, I think. Um, and kind of a difficult guy to know what to spend on. And uh, I think you know, it's possible that we might not know what to spend uh, as far as the Rays bullpen goes, uh, but Joe Madden says that he plans to use a closer-by-committee approach in 2015. We've kind of heard that thing, that kind of thing before from Madden uh, and the Rays. But, but, I mean, in general, prior to this season, Madden always said that he liked, he preferred to have a guy. Uh, haven't read that there's been any specific motivation for his uh, decision, at least right now. Uh, maybe it has something to do with, like, Jake McGee has been only kind of okay this month. Uh, but overall, obviously, with a sub-2 ERA and I think a sub-1 <laughs> whip, I don't think that he's been too bad. Uh, and and seems mean, seems to be uh, – see, he's he's been signed to an extension, correct? I think that's something we talked about. So, like, now he's not – like, making him expensive is not a concern or no? Now I have to that's look. That's true. That's true. Um, the extension always changes things, and you'd think that would just make him um, the guy. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's still the lefty thing. You know, you know, they they don't prefer uh, using lefties because, and they're not a team that has a ton of lefties. If I if I um, if I've got that right. No, uh, that's true. So you know, in the end, it might be more useful to them to use him as a power lefty. Um, you know, who can get righties out, but, you know, in really dire situations, he's the lefty guy. Uh, and so maybe that's the, the the impetus to really kind of try out Boxberger and a couple of saved opportunities 
he's the guy that if, the, if money wasn't a concern, he's the guy that I like best um, going forward. So if Boxberger took over, um, then McGee would be your sort of power lefty setup guy, kind of like a Bastardo type. Um, who you know, Bastardo for his, in his own way has never really you know, taken the closer role. And so you know, it could just be thinking about trying to find a righty who can do that role, um, or just wanting to sort of signal to McGee that uh, it's it's all good. You'll be a part of it next year, but we also want to give Box a, a couple shots. I don't be- really see Balfour getting back in it. No. Um, and Peralta, they've had so many chances to give him to, to give him the role, and they haven't. So <clears throat> Belvo, I like, but uh, there's something uh, to him that's a little bit more than the pieces. So I doubt that he's um, uh, closer. I mean, he's got this sort of rise ball action, uh, but it's a rise ball that averages uh, 89 miles an hour. So yes. It gets more whiffs than your normal fastball, and it makes the whole thing play up pretty well. But that's uh, usually the the managers do keep an eye on velocity. So, now I think it uh, it means uh, the most for Brad Boxberger. Yeah, I would have to. You know, and I was looking. I had to double check. I mean, I guess maybe I'm confusing McGee. I know that obviously we we know the same thing with Sean Doolittle, but for some reason I thought that uh, the race had done this with McGee. But apparently, I mean, I haven't found it yet. That uh, I was trying to find out the contract details, uh, but yeah, I think he's, he's been signed. So no, could, yeah. Could that could be, be cheaper. Yeah, it could be just to keep him cheaper. I mean, that could be a directive from Rays management, which would have to really piss off McGee. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, and I've seen, uh, I've seen some He's writers. Got some saves. That'll that'll help him get a little bit of money. I've read. I mean, I think the baseball arbitration process. Uh, that's that's actually something that I've read. That uh, now I can't remember the fellow's name, but the fellow who's kind of considered the top. Candidate besides the fact that they, I guess, the Braves have supposedly offered the position of GM to back to John Hart, uh, or at least they did, you know, within 24 hours of making the announcement as far as uh, Frank Wren goes. But anyway, that uh, the the fellow Coppola Leo or whatever his name is, I, I apologize to him and his family for butchering that. But uh, <laughs> that uh, that's one of the things that he said he's always disliked is the baseball arbitration process, and it's. It's true. I mean, like it's for, uh, he's not alone, surely. Uh, but it's just it is. It's kind of a screwy process uh, in terms of. I mean, basically, part of the reason he disliked it is just the fact that you have to find all these reasons to say that your player is not as good as your player wants to say that he is, and da da da. da. So you basically have to become mortal enemies, uh, uh, and then and then an arbitrator rules uh, an arbitrator who doesn't really know anything about baseball tries to make a ruling on which one of you is more right. And then you have to go back to being kind of like buddies because we're all out here to win a championship kind of thing. And uh, and and meanwhile, though, it's money. It's based on statistics that aren't necessarily even. But more, I think more so, and the reason I find it kind of uh, process that that process is kind of silly to me is like again, it's it's based on statistics that don't really mean a lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, such as saves, wins, uh, batting average, things like that. I think that that's. Uh, it's a shame that that's uh, that's really kind of the position that McGee is in. The only thing that I can say that's anything different from what you're saying is that I like the idea because I like I like the the the, the overall idea, which is that you're trying to find a way to reward teams 
for you're trying to find a, a way to reward teams for uh, developing this player, and um, and so what you're doing is you're you're keeping them under team control for a certain amount of time, and uh, but then you're also trying to reward the the player for for playing well, and if you did something where they were just stuck at five hundred thousand dollars for five years or something. Um, I don't know. I think uh, you'd see very, very much fewer trades, right? Because you know, when a guy like uh, when a when a small market team, um, you know, keeps yeah, has a guy who's getting expensive, then they're more likely to trade him a year or two before he ends up out of arbitration. Just think about the Shields trade, for example. So sure. you know, there'd be there'd be fewer trades if you just if you just froze it at five hundred. And I think it would honestly just feel more unfair to the players mm-hmm. because. Then you would have a Mike Trout, you know, winning an MVP and making five hundred thousand dollars. So, um, yeah, well, be, so a, to see it, some strong idea, it's just in terms of I think in terms of practice, it could be made better. Yeah, yeah, the the ref, the, the process could certainly be refined, and the people who were involved in making the final decision could probably be. Uh, they could probably use some different people in, the, in those positions. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's, they're, they're mostly lawyers who don't know, um, you know, a ton. I don't know a ton about baseball in terms of a uh, in terms of the numbers and, and maybe how to value players. I mean, they they're trying, but um, you know, it's a small subset. You know, normally like uh, arbitration is they pick lawyers to, to make these decisions and they pick judges to make these decisions. And they pick them out of just the general population. And, yeah, yeah, they try to pick guys who've done it before. But it's such a small set of the population that they don't do, you know, normally arbitrators go to these conferences and, you know, arbitrators that work on um, uh, legal arbitration matters in terms of maybe uh, salary in the workplace or or workers' comp or whatever. There'll be like a workers' comp arbitrator's meeting at the at the at the national arbitrators conference and all the workers comp um arbitrators will get together and be like i saw this and i saw this and this guy fell down this and this happened this and then they they talk about these different cases and they learn from each other and they get better at what they do you know baseball arbitration there's like four or five people that do it so they don't really have um something to point to you know a group to get together and talk about these sort of things and and baseball hasn't encouraged it in any way and so you know they just they're kind of guys who learn a little bit more as they go along, and that's why it's a little bit slower than the rest of baseball. But uh, it could be sped up. It could be they could cultivate it. But then you start asking, like, what are you cultivating? Are you cultivating? You're saying you want to better um, reward things like as they should be in the game. Does that reward the players more? Or does that reward reward the um, does that reward the teams more? You know, and so therefore. If you wanted to make a change to the arbitration process, you have to get the players and the teams to agree that this change would be better. So it's a really hard thing to change. Yeah, that I could understand. Yeah. Well, uh, I will say that I agree with you. I like Boxberger. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I think uh, also it's interesting. Uh, Bud Black it was not committal on a role on the role for a Joaquin Benoit for the rest of the season. Um, and then he records a save on Wednesday. So I guess if, uh, if you're continuing to scrap for saves, Benoit is not completely out of the picture. Tony Watson has netted a couple of saves for the Buccos. That's in part because Mark Melanson has been used heavily 
uh, in recent days. Uh, but uh, he is obviously kind of next in line there. Walt Weiss, uh, also considering for next season, Walt Weiss would like Colorado to re-sign Rafael Betancourt, basically. They, oh, my God. They... They basically resigned Betancourt just to allow him to rehab from Tommy John surgery on a team, which is kind of interesting. That's nice. I thought <laughs> the comments when he was finished was he, that he when he got that he was done. But I mean, I, but as long as someone wants to pay you, <laughs> so resign him for cheap. You know, you're not going to maybe get another um, another year like you did out of out of Latroy Hawkins. I mean, I wouldn't bet on it. Mm-hmm. So you resign Betancourt and then. Between brothers, Betancourt. Uh, although you know, Betancourt's one of one of his things was command. So if he has any sort of command setback, regression coming out of Tommy John surgery, I wouldn't necessarily bet on him. I think I'd probably say Latroy Hawkins is a closer going in, sign Betancourt, um, and then Ottavino is the guy that I put my money on in fantasy. Yeah, that's the one I would like most. And uh, Ben, I mean, to top it off, I mean, he's always been a bit of more of a fly ball guy. If he has any problems with those consistently coming back from Tommy John surgeries in course field, that could be a problem. Not that it's strictly a home run ballpark, but uh, it, it, it smells or messes of uh, a lot of hard hit balls, I think. Uh, Henry Mejia, also he'll have his sports hernia, sports hernia surgery on October 2nd. He is still available to you, fantasy owners. I'm more upset he just closed the game and he didn't do the stomp because... <laughs> I knew he was, he was going to be in the process. Huh? I'm just, I knew he was in the... I, th- I figured he was in the process of getting a save. That's what I was going to mention, but I'm sorry. You were saying he didn't get the stomp. He didn't get to do the stomp because everyone's... You know, that his stupid coach, Terry Collins... His manager said that, you know, you know, you don't want to show up to the team or whatever. I hate this, man. Just leave personality alone. I, I like, you know, come on. He's a closer. Yeah, Closers really. all have their dumb little things they do. Look at Papelbon's anus face. I mean, you got, you got <laughs> all these different things that, that people do. A stomp is not the biggest deal in the world. And it's kind of fun, you know. And you could, you could, you know, from a team perspective, you could sell T-shirts and you yeah. know, you do whatever you like. I mean, you can't sell a T-shirt of that Papelbon face. That would be obscene. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't buy it anyway. I can't stand the guy. But <laughs> I think I, I mean I agree. I think that there's there's this it's another it's like one of those super unwritten rule thingies where uh you're not allowed to do anything that uh preys on the insecurities of the opposition, which is really all it is cuz it's like uh unless they're doing something specifically at you, all they're really doing is celebrating. I mean, if you're watching a long home run that you just hit, like, is that really insulting to you? Or is it just that you're really upset that you just gave up a long home run? Yeah. <laughs> like that's, I mean, that's basically all it is. It's really childish. It is, I mean, I, I totally agree with Brian Kinney. I, I've always thought that. I think it's just, uh, I mean, it's, there's, a, you know, clearly there are a lot of baseball people who have not gone through a lot of emotional maturity or understanding of those things. And that's pretty, that's and that's basically all it is. Uh, I would like to see more emotion in the game because that, that kind of thing can appeal to fans. It turns some fans off. But uh, who really cares what the people who bothers thinks? That's what, but uh, I guess if you're trying to build a product, baseball, I mean, maybe that hopefully they never get as serious about the NFL as far as cracking down on that kind of thing because the NFL actually has – uh, written fools against it, <laughs> which is kind of uh, uh, scary. Uh, and 
Finally, just a little bit of interest is Toronto is expected to pick up Adam Lynn's $7.5 million option. That seems like a pretty good deal for them, considering that he's been a pretty good hitter from left-handed side, uh, majority platoon side. So uh, he looks to be about the same type of investment for fantasy owners probably next season that he has been in the past couple. Any reason to disagree? Let's just jump into the streamers, man. We've been talking too long. Okay. All right. Well, now it's it's time for everyone's favorite portion of the show, at least for the last couple of weeks, and that is, yes, streamers. Um, because basically we have a few days left in order to try to, to wring any sort of fantasy value left out of it, that we can out of these final spots and our pitching spots here. And uh, we've, we talked about streamers on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Eno gave up some, some really good recommendations for the most part. Uh, I probably didn't. Uh, and so now we move on to Friday and first I just want to say, I noticed like on this, uh, I wrote the Blake tree, Blake, Trinan, Blake Trinan. I'm not sure. Blake Trinan, uh, was, I posted a blog yesterday that said, I thought he was a good streamer and, um, I think he was supposed to be on Friday, but, uh, he pitched today and he's still listed as a Friday starter. So I'm not really sure what's going on there, but he's not an option. And, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't appear <laughs> that some, be some sort of record <laughs> that would be pretty impressive. I think he'd easily be on my list of candidates to pitch 14 consecutive 200 inning seasons after that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and I am not going to recommend Jerome Williams on Friday this time, even though uh, he is a right-hander facing the Braves. Uh, I just don't like to recommend Jerome Williams. And that was no, definitely dip into that well too often. Yeah, that's true. You can't dip into that well too often, no matter how enticing it looks. Um, so who strikes you on this Friday, uh, enticing Friday of matchups? Uh, because there's, to me, there's, there are not a whole lot of options that are really exciting unless they're guys we've talked about before. Uh, but TJ House, to me, is what's an obvious one. We've liked him before. Uh, he faces Tampa Bay, which, besides the fact that they occasionally have offensive troubles, uh, and Jason Collette, this is, this is a, an eye test thing as well, statistically. Like, uh, in general, they often struggle against left-handed pitchers. So, you're looking for five to no more than six innings because he never they never let him throw that more than that. Uh, but I think that he's a pretty once again a pretty good candidate. Yeah, and, uh, I, I don't know that um, I don't know that uh, he I actually like probably better than um, you know like a, a more own guy like Drew Hutchinson. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I could like him. I mean, the, the house is a nice high floor. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And uh, and Hutchinson pitching uh, against Baltimore um, in, at home, you know, you get he, if he only gives up two homers, and it, you know, it's not a big deal or whatever, and it's a decent start. Otherwise, he could still give you up, give up four or five runs, you know, and that wouldn't that wouldn't be that crazy for him. I guess I'd still. I mean, the Hutchinson's uh, strikeout upside is way higher, so um, I guess I would still take Hutchinson. Then there's the, the more owned guys are John Neese against Houston, uh, Mike Leake against Pittsburgh, Ryan Vogelsong at home against San Diego. Um, I guess I'd take those guys over House, but I put House right in there. If you can't get any of those guys, uh, I put House in there. And I might put House over Vogelsong. Because San Diego sometimes puts together some offense, and you know Vogel Song is not that great, and you know their their uh, strikeout potential is about the same, and uh, so 
you know, I, you know, I think that TJ House is right there is about the fourth or fifth best streamer tomorrow. Um, owned under fifty percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I would tend to agree with that. Okay. Um, does anybody else really intrigue you on the list? I think it's really hard for me to see one. I mean, there's 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 hangover potential with a number of these guys, but without saying that there's anything more than that. You know what I will say, and and you know, those numbers really don't have a ton of value either, granted, but Jeremy Guthrie has always pitched, pretty much always pitched really well against the White Sox for whatever reason. Like, he has, like, a ridiculously much lower ERA career-wise, and even in the last couple of seasons, no matter who's on the team, it's, like, two-something, and, like, his career ERA is, like, against most other teams, is, like, four-plus, so... Well, it's probably more relevant that, you know, the White Sox... This this version of the White Sox that he's pitching against is not great. Right. And, um, you know, so, you know, that's not a, that's a decent matchup. I just feel like House is no, uh, he's, he's, higher for Yeah, I agree. Definitely agree. You know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, 0% owners going because it's the end of the season. So uh, you got trying it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not trying. You've got, um, uh, zero, there's a lot of 0% owner guys. I don't know that I like any of them. Cahill. Uh, at home against St. Louis, sticks out a little bit uh, just because he can get grounders, I guess. Um, Stephen Wright against the Yankees, knuckleballer. Uh, I do not recommend him. Phew, that's good. Yeah, right. Uh, Jordan Lyles is at least in Los Angeles, but uh, I, you know what? I, I think Jordan Williams is the best 0% owned guy. <laughs> You're more than welcome to pick him. Oh. I would take Cahill, I think, there in the start at home against St. Louis, just because there's some. He does have this kind of stuff to throw that, to get the strikeouts. I guess I don't know. I do. Uh, I looked up like Lyles. I mean, at least he is on the road. But I think like the Dodgers have some of the best outcomes of the year against the curveball, and that's he's relying on the curveball specifically more so on the road. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's kind of his weapon of choice, obviously. So I don't really like that one a whole lot. Um, well, St. Louis at least doesn't have a ton of power, right? And Cahill's uh, the grounder guy. I think it could work out. So it's settled. Friday does not look like a great day to stream. <laughs> no, I mean it, it's okay if you've got a Hutchinson or a Leak as a as an option. Mm-hmm. I think you know. I don't think that. Um, oh, and Vance Worley, I think maybe is a. You're not. I don't think you're a fan of Worley, but. Um, Cincinnati basically can't produce offense to save its life, and uh, he's been he's been fairly sharp, uh, particularly with control and command. So I think there's some there's some decent. I think he has a decent floor as well. I think the two of the ones I'd feel most confident throwing would be Worley and House, and uh, perhaps then like a vocal song, just because he's facing the Padres, and I'm not really overly concerned about. There might be leak. some hangover. I mean, the thing is that they're they're uh, in, in the leak uh, matchup against Pittsburgh, but they're still playing for uh, the home field advantage there. So that matters to them too. They've talked about that quite a bit. Yeah. So I don't think there'll be a ton of hangover there. I think we shall move to Saturday. Saturday, we got uh, the the guys that are mostly owned that. Um, that are nice. I, I prefer uh, Danny Duffy. I, I actually prefer D- 
Derek Holland against Oakland, most of all. Uh, at 40, he's at uh, 42% on ESPN, I think. And Danny Duffy's at 46. Um, he's at um, Chicago White Sox. I like that one. Yes. Those uh, are those are the two mostly owned guys. AJ Burnett's there too, but uh, I don't trust him. I can't believe he's still owned. He must be owned in the teams that have checked out. Yes. Um, and I don't love the matchup of a variety. You know, I mean, you said that, you know, they they can be a little bit, um, you know, they're a little tougher on lefties. They actually blew up Jeff Locke. Did you? I don't know. They if you did. Know they they did. absolutely I, annihilated him. <laughs> I remember hearing you in my voice and I in my head, and I still streamed him. But I figured, you know, the changeup would go the other way, but uh, it didn't work out for me. But AJ Burnett is just, you know, he's a mess. So I will uh, move on from that. And then the the, the middle tier guys, so your sort of mixed league streamers, are. Um, you know, Eovaldi, again, at Washington. Miguel Gonzalez at Toronto. Miley against St. Louis. Uh, Corey Rasmus is up to 10% owned. Uh, that's probably because he's at Seattle tomorrow. Um, I don't really love any of those. Um, I might pick... Uh, I might pick... I guess I'd pick... God, I don't like any of them. I don't like any of them. Rasmus, maybe. I don't know. He's, he seems like a deeper league sleeper, though. Yeah, I mean, if you can't get a Derek Holland, I mean, do you really want to throw Evaldi in your 10-team and your 12-team? Yeah, no. You know what's going to happen is these are the guys, these are guys, some of them, you know, some one of those guys will throw a, a start. What's going to happen is these are the guys that, if you're in your head-to-head league and really ERA and whip don't matter in, in your matchup, uh, then you're just gonna throw these guys, you know. And it's like yeah. we're gonna give you a recommendation, but it almost doesn't matter. Just throw, just throw a guy, you know, Aaron Harang at Philadelphia. Philadelphia lineup sucks. Throw him, you know. And and you're you're looking for that quality start or those K's or that win. And uh, Atlanta at Philly seems as good of a place to look for a win. It looks like a better than a place to look for a win than Miami at Washington, uh, Arizona at St. Louis. Um, or you could look for a win with Miguel Gonzalez, Baltimore at Toronto, but you never know what will happen in that game. I like, uh, for the low-owned guys, I do like Joe Kelly uh, at home against the, the Yankees because the Yankees stink now and all their guys are dead. Um, well, Montero at home against the Astros. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a nice one uh, for upside. I mean... It's a National League uh, matchup in a, in a nice, in a decent home park. So I like that one. Um, column A, Cleveland is a is. A I don't like that. upside, but it's a it's a worse downside than Montero. Yeah, there's a lot of downside there. AL lineup, uh, Cleveland's a better lineup. Uh, period. Um, if they're patient at all, column A could blow up. And um, they've. They've been like a top three team against right-handed pitchers pretty much all season. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, among the zeros and ones, um, you, know, you know, what's funny, you know, Montero's a two. How about uh, a Samuel Deduno? Yeah, Deduno. <laughs> you don't know how many innings he's got. He's been back in the pen and then back in the rotation. Yeah. Um, but if you're talking about zeros and ones, I mean, I guess I would take the Alex Colomay over Samuel Deduno. Uh, I would take Alex Colomay over Ricky Nolasco. I would take Alex Colomay over John Danks. 
I'd probably take Eric Stoltz over Alex Carmen because the Giants uh, get turned around a little bit. A couple of their guys are better against righties and lefties. Um, it's in a nice uh, home park. You know, Stoltz is a low ceiling guy, but he's a decent high floor guy. So among the zeros and ones, I like Stoltz the best, and then I like Colomay. Is anybody, anybody else you like? Um, I generally do not like Stoltz because he just scares me. Uh, I actually think I like Danks a little more than I think. Even though like there's there's not much there's not much in terms of great ceiling for Danks. I like I would be willing to take Danks uh, against KC. Uh, before I would take column A because I like I think the floor is also still significantly higher. I just I think I'm just con- incredibly concerned about that start. I guess I would say like to, you know I also say like to avoid certain pitchers. I mean we were both kind of wary of Taiwan Walker in Toronto, Toronto and he pitched eight innings of one run ball and struck out a bajillion guys. So <laughs> it's maybe not the best uh, recommendation, but um, no. Other than that, like I I. I I don't really see anybody who appeals to me other than, uh, I mean, I know you're not a big fan of Kyle Lobstein or Lobstein or however his last name is to be said. But uh, he's come up with a couple of few. I mean, I think the changeup has been pretty good for him. And uh, Minnesota, they're kind of kind of uh, very susceptible. It seems like every time I notice that anybody pitches well against him, it's a left-hander, and that could be only in, in my mind. But uh, I'm just basically purely on Hey, uh, my mind's sample size. The Bridgeboro rules are nice to him. I mean, he's got uh, no velocity, but um, the change looks uh, decent. 85 of them with an 18% whiff rate. Mm-hmm. Slider is not great, but still 11% whiff rate, 115 thrown. So, uh, you know, he's getting a lot of ground balls when he does throw a sinker. He's a little funky. Uh, it's not a bad one. That I'd sounds... still put him. I'd put him behind Colme just because Colme has nice stuff and could yeah. really strike out a bunch of people. Yeah, in the but... end, if you're looking for if you're looking for ups, uh, upside, as you know, his recommendations of stuff, that is probably that that would be the way to go. I would I would say Colme stuff. But Lobstein's uh, in there. Lobstein's in there. Maybe above Stoltz because they're kind of similar guys. Uh, but people have seen Lobstein less. I mean, Stoltz's you know game has been. They've, they've done this. They've done this dance before. Yeah, <laughs> and it usually dances to around four fifty to five ERAs. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I I mean, I don't love it. Uh, not, I don't love any of those guys. Stoltz, Colomay, Lobstein. Throw them in a bucket. Uh, pick out the guy you like best. Yeah. <laughs> Don't All right. actually throw them in a bucket. That'd be rude. <laughs> but you'd also it would be impressive if you could make that happen. That'd be a big bucket. It would. Uh, so who like who do you like on Sunday? Our options are few and far between. Uh, looks like a lot of owned guys probably go on Sunday, and then there's also there's a good there's going to be a lot of questionable. Yeah, this you know this Sunday is the kind of day that you have to Saturday night go check your computer because um, they're they're gonna they're gonna pull guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially like, you know, Bumgarner's going. Uh, Bumgarner can go Friday. I mean, Bumgarner can go Sunday if he if they need to if they want to play for the home game, right? And he's probably the scheduled starter um, for Sundays because I don't 
Um, but then if he doesn't go, um, it could be anyone. You know, I don't. You know, I don't know who it would be. It might be one of those bullpen games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but uh, if you really want to identify guys, especially for those like Yahoo, will let you will let you play everybody uh, on the last day if you have like a, even an inning left. A third of an inning left. Yeah, you could rip it apart. Have you confirmed that? Uh, well, I'm just uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty much assuming. <laughs> okay. But I mean, like, well, it came up in the in the in the in the chat today, and most people, uh, I thought they would. Uh, I haven't yet confirmed with Andy Barons. Um, other people in the chat came on and said that they were sure. So, um, yeah, if you have a third of an inning left, you can play all the pitchers you want on Sunday and get more innings. Um, and I've done that a lot, so it's within the rules. I don't think it's that lame, you know. They, everybody else, everybody else can do it. Um, if you want to be kind of tri- tricky about it, you could try to identify a guy who's likely to sit, um, and then try to identify who the sixth starter is. So, like maybe Wei Yin Chen is is um, one of the more owned guys. Um, he's at Toronto. I mean, probably Ubaldo Jimenez would get that start. Yeah, because he already um, he pitched on Tuesday. He'd be on turn. Yeah, so they probably set that up on purpose a little bit. So, you know, that game, Wayne Chen is the nominal starter, but they don't really have a game, reason to play for um, that day. Then, uh, you know, I think Ubaldo comes in and pitches that game. You could pick up Ubaldo if Chen is not an option for you. Um, I'm trying to think of who else, uh, you know, is in that, in that boat. Um, you know, Pittsburgh... You think Jeff Locke is in the playoff rotation? Maybe he is. Uh, that's. T- I think probably. I don't think they have another left-hander, and maybe that matters to them. Um, let's see. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm sorry. Liriano. So Liriano, Volquez, those guys are definite. Uh, Charlie Morton is no longer in the picture. Is he out for the season? Uh, yeah, they placed him back on the 60-day DL with the. Uh, yeah, the sports hernia thing. So Liriano, yeah, he's Cole, Locke yeah, is in. Locke is in because he'd be the fourth guy. And Worley's pitching earlier in the weekend. Um, I think you'd probably see. Uh, so it's Cole Liriano Locke is probably the uh, playoff rotation. Um, and on Saturday, um, I think maybe Saturday Sunday maybe Cole is 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 due or something. So you could try to get ahead of that one and uh, pick up like Brandon Compton. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess he'd be the guy who would. But I mean, I don't, if you want to, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Brandon Compton stuff. So right. uh, that one strike me as a great idea. Who's another guy? Who's another one that could um, that looks like they'll be playing for, but maybe not um, the Royals. Uh, they, are they on the list of uh, possible streamers for that day? It seems oh. odd. It's well, I mean, like we could talk. I mean, it seems odd that Detroit would throw David Price. Then maybe not. I don't know. Uh, yes, there's a good one. So if uh, if David Price doesn't start that day, um, then you're and it can't be Lobstein, right? Um, you know, because he's pitching right before him. So, if David Price doesn't throw that day, maybe it's Robbie Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a bullpen day led by Anil Sanchez, but he's not going to get five innings. So, 
Robbie Ray could be a, uh, actually a, a kind of a, a sneaky pickup, I think. Yeah. Uh, let's see the or, sixth starter. Or, or Buck Farmer. Uh, for the Royals. <laughs> huh? Buck Farmer. I just wanted to say his name. Yes. Um, uh, for the Royals, I guess um, you might be looking at Liam Hendricks or uh, would they give a start to Finnegan? Mm, uh, you yeah, know, they might. I guess it's possible. But I think it's probably Liam Hendricks. If, yeah, if the game doesn't so. matter, it's probably Liam Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, in terms of like traditional streamers that are actually – Listed and probably will pitch. I mean, Henderson Alvarez at Washington is the is the prize of the day for me. Um, I think it's very likely that Washington will rest all its starter that starters that day. Henderson Alvarez has a real high floor. Uh, you're probably not unless you're worried about K9 as a stat. Um, that's a perfect streamer for me. And another mixed league streamer um, on that level is uh, Kyle Hendricks. Mm-hmm. He's in a worse park though. He's in, in Milwaukee. Robbie Erlin is scheduled to pitch on Sunday at San Francisco, um, and that that could go either way. Is a big need need to win game for San Francisco or not? Um, and he could be you know going up against Bumgarner or not. So I think um, you know I like I think I actually maybe like Erlin a little bit better because Hendricks, you know, in Milwaukee could give up a couple homers or at least one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I probably have it something like Henderson Alvarez, Robbie Erlin. Uh, Kyle Hendricks at the top of the list. I think, I mean, I, I suppose it's possible that Washington wants to skip Tanner Roark uh, and go with... Well, I think I did even read that he's not pitching. Uh, I mean, they have uh, multiple options there. I'm not sure who it would be between Taylor Hill and I don't... Uh, I'm not even sure who else is a possibility. Well, Ross, was... Ross Detweiler, maybe. Right. Yeah, he's set to to go, but I mean, in terms of like, he he would be better on more rest, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, I think he's in the, is he not in the playoff rotation? Roark. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would assume he is. I think it has to be Strasburg, Zimmerman, yeah. Roark, and and either Gonzalez right. or Fister. But I would think it's yeah. Funny. See, you could see Roark as the fifth guy out, but Gonzalez maybe Fist, I think maybe Fister gets to start because they haven't really. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, he's scheduled to go on Friday, so. Well, I, Zimmerman has a shoulder thing, so yeah, I think probably Roark doesn't pitch that day, but I don't know who does, and you may not know until Saturday. Yeah. Um. I like Josh Colmenter. As a low-owned guy, especially, he's actually put together some surprising starts, and he's been quite good at home uh, ground balls and stuff. It's got a—I called him Baby Lincecum once because it's got an extreme over-the-top mm-hmm. thing with a, a good changeup. I wish he had a better breaking pitch. Um, you know, I would like—I I don't know how, how many times has he faced St. Louis because uh, this year, at least. That I, I, I feel like he's a big sort of trick guy, like a, a guy that's much harder to face if you haven't seen him before mm-hmm. because it's kind of hard to pick out the ball. There's not a lot of sort of true over-the-top. I mean, he's he is not a true over-the-top guy. He's not yet facing yeah. Lewis this year. 
But he's not. Yeah. I mean, but he's like he's seen San Francisco multiple times. He's been you know six shutout innings against them recently. Seven innings, one run against yeah, the Padres. That's San Francisco. Yes, I guess that's true. Well, been, I mean, their offense has been. I mean, they lost Morris. They lost Pagan. So uh, I would take. Uh, I think yeah, I like Cole Mentor. That's a good one. I like Cole Mentor. They haven't seen him this season. Uh, it's a tricky thing. Uh, they may be sitting their whole lineup. Mm-hmm. They, uh, although that division is up in the air, huh? Yeah, it might not be by that date, but it's right. But at this point, it's definitely still. I think I like him a little bit less if St. Louis needs to win that day. <laughs> yes, I like him a lot less if St. Louis needs to win that day. <laughs> so that's something that uh, that we can't help you with. I mean, there's a, there are a couple things that are up in the air. Um, you know, the Baltimore starter. The Pirates starter, the San Francisco starter, um, the the lineups in St. Louis and and then Pittsburgh and San Francisco. So those are all things you kind of have to figure out on your own on Saturday and um, just try to you know. But if you're in a, like a super deep league and uh, Robbie Ray is out there, uh, you know Liam Hendricks. Like if you just want innings and that's it, uh, those are names to pick up, you know, mm-hmm. and, and try to anticipate those uh emergency starters yeah for sure and i just want uh i would stay away from uh you, you might i mean you might it depends on whether detroit is going to rest all their guys or not but kyle gibson doesn't look as attractive in in uh that spot star but you know was he that was one of his streamers uh the other day that was on tuesday and uh he was fantastic seven innings or one run ball with eight strikeouts and no walks against arizona so well done kudos to you know that was a good. That was a good matchup for him. This one's a little bit worse, but uh, yes. it could be. It could be a good day if Price sits and he, it's Gibson against Ray. They play then, all the bench. They empty the bench. Yeah, you know, you know, Miguel Cabrera will sit, mm-hmm. and Victor Martinez will sit, and all of a sudden that lineup looks totally different. Yeah. So, so that yeah, Gibson. That, that's a good one. Keep an eye on Gibson there. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny. The, I like I like the the two wild cards because you know there's a lot to watch for this weekend and there there were times especially when you know if you remember back to like um, you know the National League and the American League and that was it and then there was two divisions in each and um, even then there were times when there was nothing interesting going on the last week um, so you know this one makes it interesting to the end I just. You know, I might I want to write a piece on this probably, but my my solution is cut spring training. All these guys work out all all uh, all winter anyway. They they don't they don't have second jobs where they need to come back and lose the the weight they gained when they worked in the bakery. And uh, and so you know, cut spring training. Spring training is also an opportunity for everyone to get hurt. So don't don't come in February and 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 then throw your arm out. You know, halfway through the the spring training. So I think. Cut spring training to like three weeks, um, starting starting in March first, uh, so that there are some games in March, and you have to schedule some, you know, some twins uh, road trips at the beginning of the season and stuff like that. But uh, start in March. It's a small change. You get an extra week out of the end of March by cutting spring training, and you use that week uh, to to spread out the postseason schedule a little bit, and then gain a at least a three game wild card um, game. You know, instead of three, instead of a single wild card game, make it a three game series. Yeah, and you know, still there, there's still a chance for comebacks. Then you still have a series as opposed to just a game. Uh, I think it still hurts 
the wild card teams because they still have to like they have to play their guys. You know, that's another start. And then you know, and then if you hopefully if there is extra wear and tear on the on the pitchers or whatever, there's more there are more games they're pitching. You're helping them out by giving them a little bit more rest in the off season and a little bit less time in spring training. So. I like the idea of a series as opposed to a single game. The only complication I think that presents is like you run into a case where you have like a buy series scenario, like a team is actually going to be off for a handful of days before uh, they're going to start up, which I mean, it doesn't really matter. I'm not, not too much concerned about like the, the layoff effect on them, but I mean, I, I suppose there's, there's a possibility of that. Um, just uh, the, I think it's just like a bizarre kind of scenario for baseball. Um, what 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 would you not like about it that the that the winning teams have like a week off? Yeah, almost like basically, yeah, like a handful of days where there's like this three game series going on, and and the teams that are waiting around for that opponent are just kind of like. Uh, I don't know, man. The football has bye weeks. Yeah, I know, but I think it's I think it's a different scenario. Like it's a one week at a time thing as opposed to baseball, which is almost every day, and then you have a team getting off for a week almost. Yeah, it's it's part of that advantage of the game, right? Yeah, yeah, I suppose. It's, it's and I mean what you're what you're giving the teams that are wild card teams is more postseason revenue. I mean you're giving the owners more postseason revenue and you're giving those teams more postseason revenue. So it's more of a it's it's better for them to make it and as a wild card. Right now they get one game of postseason revenue if they make the wild if they make it as a wild card, right? And then maybe more after that. But they you know they get guaranteed one game. Now you could say we'll guarantee you two games, maybe three, and uh, and you get you get that revenue. And in exchange, you know you if you're a winning team, you may have to sit around a little. I don't know. There's the All Star break. You could probably finish a three game series you know in three or four days. It's about the same as an All Star. Yeah. Uh, the only th- I will say uh, that you're you're going to AG Double Hockey Sticks for also stealing revenue from all those uh, spring training cities. They're going to be they're going to oh. they're going <laughs> to they're going to storm your home. They seem to be doing all right, man. I don't know about Florida. Florida might be in a different situation, but <laughs> Arizona, man, those parks are stacked. They they uh, the the tickets keep going up. Uh, I don't know, man. Arizona spring training seems healthy enough. Yeah, no, they're they're probably doing okay, uh, especially given the the number of kind of renovations and new ballparks that have sprung up in the past handful of years down there, um, both probably on both sides. Uh, before we go, I did want to get to this question real quick. Uh, we had from from a listener. He asked us about uh, our last week. We talked about some keep five, keep ten, keep fifteen designations, and he was curious as to whether that was specifically kind of for twelve team mixed leagues and. Uh, we kind of we kind of said it would be more for fifteen team mixed leagues, uh, but he also has just some questions in general about some keepers and uh, they're particularly. I mean, obviously these are, hopefully these are decisions you don't have to make right away, but uh, that uh, his kind of borderline keepers are for are Josh Harrison, Jay Bruce, and Jason Worth. Uh, to me, Jason, I, I you know I like Josh Harrison. It's a cool it's a cool kind of story. Is a long time reserve makes good and turns into an all star and all that stuff. I don't think he's a um, if it's a keep 10 league, I mean, to me, he's not a keep 10 player. Uh, I guess it, and it all depends on who your other possibilities are and what they're, but I mean, Pittsburgh could easily go into next season and not have a role for him designed, uh, 
just as much so. I would. You think that's yeah, a possibility? Yeah, I, I, see, I see a lot of uh, batting average on balls in play uh, yeah. versus righty situation. And as a righty, um, if that if that Babbitt drops, you know, to two ninety or two eighty, I think he's a two sixty two seventy guy. Uh, he's not, you know, known for power. Um, not a great speedster. So, you know, two sixty guy with, you know, middle of the road power and speed at third base. Um, it's probably top 12 but at the position, so he's probably a starter if he has the role, but there is some question about his role, and uh, so therefore I think, you know, I haven't made the whole rankings in my mind, but I imagine he's a 10, 11, 12th guy at third base, um, and Worth is, is way ahead of that. Um, I mean, he's not way ahead of that because he's not top 10 at his position, but there's, you have three outfielders, so he's better than top 30 at his position. Mm-hmm. Bruce, you know, honestly, I think I, that's the one that's hard for me. Bruce versus Worth because um, of the age, man. And you really look at the age there. Um, Bruce is way younger than, than Worth. And it doesn't seem like it matters until all of a sudden Worth has a busted hip and he's out for a month and you're like, oh, duh. And, uh, and then Bruce bounces back because he's only 28, 29. And it was just a bad year based on his, his busted hip or whatever. So um, I'm not sure. I guess it's easy to pick Worth. I'm not sure that my offseason rankings would have uh, Worth ahead of Bruce. No, yeah, I would still have Bruce. I mean, I guess it's it's probably it's probably hard to keep Bruce even in a keep five. But in a 12-team mixed league, I think Bruce is definitely keep 10. And Worth, it, Worth is probably making my keep 10. Uh, you want a second outfielder. By the time you make it through ten keepers, right? Right. Uh, so and if Worth and Bruce are both your your keeper outfielders, it's not and a you bad. Don't have another keeper outfielder, then you kind of have two OF twos, and that's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, you know, it's especially if you have better infielders or whatever. But I both of them I like over Harrison. Yeah, and considering that some of the pitchers that he has to keep, he's talking about. Uh, he said he's likely keeping two. And that's that was kind of your recommendation, maybe two pitchers out of uh, if it's a keep ten, and he has Darvish, Hamels, Iwakuma, Cobb, and Alex Wood. Um, I don't like. I, I mean, Darvish is a probable keeper there, and Hamels is a probable keeper. I wouldn't really, uh, but I mean, Wood and Cobb are I mean, both I like intriguing. Cobb, I like Cobb and Wood, and they're younger, right? But right, they they don't haven't proved themselves to be any less injury risk, any lower injury risk than Darvish and Hamels. Even though Darvish and Hamels are, are older and got hurt this year, Wood has crazy mechanics that everyone says is going to lead to injury. And Cobb has actually been injured himself. Every season. season. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you might as well pick the guys who, when they're in, are oh. going to be awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like you have some it's, – it's, obviously we have a long way to go before determining those uh, before you have to determine those things, but it sounds like you have some cases, at least to us, that seem we don't want to say clear cut, but pretty pretty close to it. And uh, unless something, some major developments happen there, I think we ha- you have some pretty good ideas. Um, so good luck to that listener. We hope uh, everything turns out well. Thank you all for listening, of course, and uh, thank Eno for uh, joining us once again. Eno, hope you have a fantastic rest of the day and weekend. Yes. Enjoy Loads this. of fun, baby. Do any day. <laughs> yes, congratulations. Hope hope things everything goes well with that, and uh, enjoy the rest of the uh, the final few days of the regular season. And uh, good.
good luck to everybody out there in the final few days. Hoping hope that you wrap up your fantasy baseball championships. I am Nicholas Minix. This has been the Sleeper and the Bust. Boom.